Hi Haunted Heart fans, I'm Quill and I'm one of the co-creators of the Tarot Reading. If you're in DC, I've got an experience for you. The Tarot Reading is an interactive variety show performing May 9th through the 26th and I guarantee you have never seen anything like it. In it, eclectic artists perform variety show acts, each inspired by the tarot mythos. Each act is interactive and made for one adventurous and consenting audience member. What happens next can be almost anything. We've done seances, belly dances, mad science experiments, stand-up routines, role-playing games, gestalt dream analysis, and that weird one involving a suitcase full of spam, just to name a few. Each one is always completely honest, totally amazing, and never happens the same way twice. So, if you believe in the magic that happens in unexpected places, please come experience the tarot reading. That's May 9th through the 26th in DC. You can find out more at thetarotreading.org. That's the tarot, T-A-R-O-T, reading.org. Don't forget to bring a sacrifice. I'm serious, I won't let you in without a sacrifice. Welcome back. Welcome. To an exciting high energy. High energy. High energy. High energy. Not high high energy, but high energy. Like opposite of low. Not like Percocet. Oh. <laughs> I feel like, like Percocet. Okay. Um not like I, Percocet. I wasn't going there, but all right. I mean, I will be honest with you at this point in time. Um, I've never considered myself a pill popper. I've never considered myself somebody who's going to buy prescription drugs off market. But if anybody has a prescription for Zofran, I will pay you many monies. <laughs> many monies. Do you know what Zofran is? I do not know what Zofran is, actually. Zofran I'm- is the fucking pill that some smart fucking scientists made up to cure nausea cure nausea yeah it it you take you feeling nauseated really like really really nauseated you take some fucking zofran and then you feeling better but guess what it's prescription only so you can't get it over here in the fucking united states of america unless you go to the fucking hospital and pay thousands of fucking dollars to get a fucking treatment that consists of a cup of water and some fucking zofran that that's true. So, so we, you lay in your bed and suffer. Uh huh. That's true. I went to the doctor. We had this conversation the other day, not on the show, but I went to the doctor a few months back because I thought I had scratched my cornea because my eye was bloodshot red and I could not, like, it just felt like something was in there. So I went to the doctor to get, you know, just some antibiotic drops mm-hmm. and I got them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then three and then weeks got later, got a bill for $1,700. Yes. I, I went because of a UTI, the only, only the second UTI I've ever had in my life, you guys. And it was so bad, I literally could not sit still. I was crying in my bathtub, and then I, it was really sad. How's that different from any other day? <laughs> well, it was different <laughs> because I was, like, running a, a, like, bath to, like, sit in, because I had heard if you sit in, like, an Epsom salt bath that it mm. would help. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that, and my water had gotten cold, so I was going to, like, run a little bit more hot water in. But, see, my faucet, my bathtub was leaky, and so I had tied it up. So when I turned the um, the faucet on to run more hot water out, it turned the fucking shower on. Ah. And it showered cold water down on me in the Ooh. bathtub, crying <laughs> with a fucking UTI. It was, like, the saddest one of the saddest moments and i was like i'm going to the fucking er and i did and it cost me two thousand dollars to piss in a cup yes ridiculous we had like you want to go to the here in america you go to the doctor and it's like uh okay uh i'm not gonna sit down 
on the paper. I'm not going to use that paper. I'm not going to use that. Don't charge me for no, that. Take that off take my bill. That. Sorry. I um, can start can my turn, own IV. Can we turn the lights off in this office? Yeah. In this you ain't office even got to run the electricity. Don't run here. the electricity. No. I'm not Mm-mm. paying for that. I don't need no AC. Mm-mm. You Matter cut that of off fact, too? I brought... I just sit outside. Y'all come to me in my car. But for real, no. It, I mean, it's crazy. You you really literally have to make a choice between like, am I going to die? Or like, am I going to be okay if I just ride this out? Yeah. I mean, I'm in horrible suffering pain. Yeah. But I'm not going to die, so I'm probably going to keep my $2,000. Where yeah. When I'm sure that the scientists who invented fucking Zofran would have loved for me to just be able to pop a pill and be okay. Anyway, I feel like this is... An old people podcast yes, right now. It is. is it time for us to stop ranting about the fucking me- US healthcare yeah. system? <laughs> no, it is never time, never to, stop, time to, <laughs> to stop to stop ranting. talking about the US healthcare system. But yeah. for now, yeah. we're gonna pause. Please fucking. <laughs> and I, we're here's the do thing. This I ain't even that. No, I ain't see, even nope. that like fired up. I just need some fucking Zofran. I will go with any plan that gets me some goddamn Zofran because I'm Listen, gonna tell you what I'm living folks, off animal crackers, people. And I'm a hangry bitch. Listen, folks, we have a P.O. box. Someone send this bitch some Zofran so in the P.O. box. Oh, my God. If you fucking do. <laughs> holy shit. I would, I would marry you. I really, truly would. Don't put that out into the universe. Anyway. <laughs> shit, I put it out there. I want some fucking Zofran. I'm, I'm trying to eat. A bitch is hungry. Still. So... We have an invocation to do for those who are new to the show. An invocation is when someone has decided to generously um, come on board our Patreon uh, and help support the show. And as part of one of their benefits, we um, invoke their names on the show. We have uh, candles that we have dressed with uh, all sorts of good intentions for health, wealth, goodwill, um, and... We light it for them, and it stays lit for the entire episode. And if you want your own invocation, you can head on over to Patreon and check out some of those tears, bitch. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> bitch. That was so beautiful and professional. <laughs> All right, so this week we are invoking the name of Kimberly K., who is a member of our Stay Spooky Squad. And your candle is lit. And it will sit by our mics through the end of this episode, but will burn forever in our dark, dark hearts. Yes, that was so beautiful. I'm glad you appreciate it. The yes. smoke is kind of hanging in the air in a really interesting way. Yes, it is. Maybe we just don't usually see that when it's dark out. It's not quite dark. Or maybe it's just because we have really shitty matches. Maybe. We got we got some fucking gluten-free so, vegan matches over here. I have a few things. I am going to introduce. I, I want to introduce something to the show. A, a, a hot topics corner, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so are we I just talking like Banties 3 for 20? Like, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have a new job at Hot Topic. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my God. Here's the thing. I kind of, I would love that. Like a little part-time job at the Hot yeah. Topic. I went to Hot Topic the other day, though. And it's not the same. It's not. It, no, it's, it's not. It's a lot of anime now. And not. I'm not shaming anime, but it's just like, it's a lot of color. And back in the day, it was like black, red, gray. Yeah. That was it. It's done. Every now and then, you'd have some color on an insane clown posse shirt. And that was it. Well, you've gotten into this whole, like, I don't know. They're very into the fandoms now. Like, yes. whereas opposed, yeah. like, before, it's like, like when we grew shit. up, it was, like, you know, Invader Zim. Yes. And, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. And now they really sort of cater to, like, the fandoms. They even have extended into their LGBTQIA, like, um, market, which is, which is really cool. Um, but it's, they've just expanded a lot more, and it's just different than what I was used to. Because, like, they've yeah. gotten into, like, drag merch and all this other stuff, so... Well, it almost feels like Spencer's now. 
Well, they're owned by the same company. Yeah, but it but they were clearly two different brands. I feel like when we were growing up, like they were two different. Like Hot Topic was where like Punks and Goths shopped, and Spencer's was a bit more approachable for yeah. everybody because it was like gag gifts and like a lot of different stuff. I mean, you could still find like dildos, cool shit, and Spencer's, but like marijuana um, necklaces. Yeah, but they were <laughs> shitty dildos. Don't buy your dildos from Spencer's. If you're listening right now and you're buying your dildos, dildos from Dilders. Spencer's, your dildos, don't get your dildos from Spencer's. Smoky your dildos. No, don't buy them there. Please don't. Email the show, thehauntedheartpodcast at gmail.com. I'll send you some links. Don't do it. No. But- fun house, fun factory. Fun <laughs> factory is where you need to get your dildos. I'm, I'm not kidding. Google it. You're All right. welcome. Hey, fun factory. If you're in for a promo swap... <laughs> you just let me know. Oh, I could do a great promo for Fun Factory. Okay, cool. <laughs> Very interactive. All right, all right. <laughs> so let's bring him back down. No, my hot topic is going to introduce the sort of the theme of the episode today. So I want to talk to you today about how I just read that China is cracking down on funeral strippers. Yes, I saw that you posted this in the group. I didn't post it. Someone else oh, posted it. Oh, somebody else did? But oh, I commented okay. on it. So, um, and this article sounds weird. It says China officials, but wouldn't that be Chinese officials? Uh, I think it could be either way. Okay, whatever. Yeah. China officials have launched its latest crackdown on funeral strippers. Funeral strippers. So, they, uh, apparently, there is a whole, like, scene for... Um, Like when someone dies, uh, they feel like the best way or some people feel like the best way to pay their respects is to have like the biggest party party or gathering. We're about to have a fucking blowout. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I'm down with that. And apparently, you know, China isn't isn't cool with that. So they're cracking down on it. Why they want us to be sad? They have set up a, well, they have set up a special hotline for the public to report, quote, any funeral misdeeds. Hmm. In exchange for a monetary reward, according to a news outlet. So they believe that a high turnout at funerals is a sign of honor for the dead. So apparently they'll have scantily clad women in sexy lingerie and revealing clothes, showing off their bodies in front of an electronic screen, displaying a black and white headshot of the deceased with text reading, we offer profound condolences for the death of this man, uh, are now a modern part of funerals in some rural areas of China. I mean, fuck yeah. Like, that's exactly how I want my funeral to go. Like, Why not? I don't understand yes. what the point is. Like, like roll my someone... fucking casket out there and have that bitch dance on top of it. You just better make sure it's a good stripper because you know I'm critical. Well, yeah. You know when we go places, I always have commentary. Make sure that bitch is talented. You need to get that girl from the gold, the gold club in right. North Carolina. <laughs> I just don't understand. Oh, girl. I think the gold club closed down years ago. Yeah, it was... A CD operation. But I just don't understand. If that's what their wishes were, like... Fuck, yeah. Well, I don't know. It sounds like maybe it wasn't their specific wish- wishes. China's a little fucked right now, though, anyway. Like, they're they're doing a bunch of, like, horrible ethnic cleansing and shit. It's really bad. Mm. But um, this is also unfortunate because... It sounds like a great time to me, honestly. Yeah, totally. That's how I want you to celebrate my passage of life. I want you to string me up on a rotating You have said this. Thing. You, yep. String me up on a rotating thing before you cremate me. Mm-hmm. I want us to have a moment. I saw uh, there was a video of a man, and it was like a little bar, and it like rotated around the ceiling, and he was just hung up. And just rolling around and just swinging around the room. That's what I want. It seems like, though, if you died of an illness, that might be an unfortunate, like, <laughs> that might be an unfortunate choice that might lead to the spread of disease. You know what I mean? Um, like, I could see them banning that before I could see them banning, like, funeral strippers. Because, like, the strippers are fine. I mean, well, probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Depending on their personal choices, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see like a hygienic reason. They're all about like conforming to like party standards though. So that's probably, that's probably what's going on. Yeah. It's a real buzzkill though. I think we should adopt it in the US. Oh, totally. You know, we're contrarians. So we should spread that story and like get that going. Get the message out. Here in the States. Like I'm into it. All right. 
So yeah, that was my little uh, hot topic section. Yes. I appreciate your hot topic (laughs) session. Session? Session? Who knows? Session. Session. Hot topics with Kenny. (laughs) Maybe sound like Wendy Williams. Yes. How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I appreciate that because it ties into what we're talking about today. Finally. They're like, God damn. They're like, what is this podcast about? Finally. What is this show? Newcomers are like, uh, what is this? Newcomers have left. Yeah. Or probably have left the chat. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) New listeners have left the chat. It's fine. Um, We're talking about thanatology, folks. Who? Thanatology. And no, I'm not going off on the Avengers movie again. So listen, (laughs) we had this idea to talk about this. Well, we've had it on the books for a while. Yes. But we decided to push it up because I was like, Katie, you talked about Thanos Mm because we had a little moment, I I think, with last episode. We did. Where you went off on a little Avengers rant, which we will not get into. I will exercise my control. And... When we finished recording, I was like, we should move this up because, like, since you talked about the Avengers, like, it could be a cool, like, you know, thing or not. You probably don't think it's cool, but I thought it was cool. (laughs) Um, Where I mentioned Thanos and the Avengers, and then you just, like, had a mind, like... I literally almost fell down the fucking stairs, We were headed down the stairs, yes. And she just, like, like, that... The, the the memes that you see where the mind just <laughs> yes. fucking explodes. That's what happened. That's what happened to Katie. And she like backed her, like she fell against the wall. I've been watching this fucking, like I haven't really watched the movies religiously. I don't even, I'm not really even sure that I've seen all of them. I think I've seen all of them, but I for, there was enough time in between that I would forget them. Um, but I didn't fucking realize that that motherfucker's name was Thanos. Like, I knew that his name was Thanos, but I hadn't connected that. Because, obviously, I've known about Thanatology for quite a while. And I've known about Thanos for a while. But I didn't connect the two in my mind until exactly that moment. And then I was like, damn. I I still can't decide whether I'm impressed or whether it's too heavy-handed and I hate it. You know? Mm. I don't know. I don't pay that much attention to it. I liked it when I didn't realize it. But, Yeah. Now I think I'm but, leaning yeah. I'm leaning towards hating it because he's like a villain and like death isn't necessarily a villain. It's just a part of life. It's not. A lot of us see it as a villain. Um but and and death comes in many forms. Yes. You know, we have experienced death. <laughs> Your uh, fucking face when you said that, babe. Death comes in many forms. Sometimes you can be dead inside. This is true. He says as he stares right through my fucking soul. Sometimes you can be dead inside. Sometimes, you know, death is about change. Yes. Um, There are many different facets to death. Um, And, you know, I think that the society that we have grown up in really sort of looks at death as like, you know, a mourning or a really negative light. Um, Yeah. Whereas... There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of death aversion. Like in, in some society. cultures, like what we talked about uh, in the beginning with, um, you know, the funeral strippers, or even if you look down at, um, you know, in places like New Orleans and that culture where they, you know, have these sort of like celebrations or mm-hmm. parades um, just to celebrate life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful thing. It's a hard thing for me personally to um, to get to. I'm like mm-hmm. not quite there. I would love to be there. Um, but I just have an issue with, uh, my ego and the fact that I'm not permanent on this, <laughs> on mm. this planet. Yeah. And it's okay because I can admit that. Um, and I'm trying to work What's to get to that step? point to like be okay with, I might get out here and fucking, you know, mm-hmm. uh, get hit by a fucking semi truck and die. Or I might live to the fact to like 137 years old and just mm-hmm. be fucking miserable with my life. <laughs> More than likely, the latter will happen. Still sitting here doing this podcast. 150 years old. I'm still not dead. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> Take me now. I'm there. <laughs> yeah. I, I am okay i believe with my own like i'm not as afraid of my own death 
as I am of the deaths of other people that I love. Because mm. that's where I get into like a rage issue. Um, Despite all my rage, <laughs> I'm still just Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Yeah, the song of my childhood. Um, <clears throat> no, I, uh, I I don't really fear death for myself, but I have a really difficult time dealing with the transition, right, mm. from life for other people. So, uh, but thanatology is something that can kind of help with that. So, thanatology um, also uh, when it was first kind of coming into uh being it was called death lore which is just really hard <laughs> wait for. death lord death lore. lore no lore oh as in like the lore of something yeah death death lord is like a death fucking... lord <laughs> it's like a metal band a that i used to follow around when i was 16 year old fucking that's a fucking reddit username <laughs> yes death it is. lord 666 i'm into it it's my username <laughs> No, so um, thanatology or death lore, which is the um, older name, is the scientific study of death and dying. So uh, thanatology investigates the mechanisms and forensic aspects of death, um, like body decomposition and those types of things, as well as psychological implications for people who are grieving, people who are mourning, um, and also, you know, the mental states, um, like the mental and social adjustments that people who are dying kind of go through yeah. the process of dying. Um, if, if your death is as a result of like an illness or something where you know that it's coming and you're kind of like dealing with it, um, or not dealing with it either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thanatology, a lot of people, um, who have kind of just briefly, I guess, looked at thanatology or have heard about it. Um, sometimes you hear people be like, I want to be a thanatologist. Well, I mean, thanatologists exist, but there's really no such thing as a thanatologist that only works with thanatology. Usually this is a interdisciplinary type of thing. So you, for example, are something else first and then a thanatologist. So you're like a funeral director or a crematorium director or something. Um, you, you could even be like a teacher or a counselor. And then thanatology is just kind of another layer that kind of adds on to your existing specialty. Because obviously death is um, kind of the other side of the coin for life. And so it is relevant to a lot of different fields. Um, so you're telling me that I just can't get a certificate in thanatology and just make money? No, you cannot. <laughs> well, then what the fuck are we talking about? You cannot. Um, but you can actually get a certificate in thanatology, and I will oh, talk shit. about can that. Oh, shit, really? Actually in a, yeah, I'll talk about that in a little Holy bit. Holy fuck, I actually okay. have some resources if people are interested. So um, thanatology is it is kind of an interdisciplinary type of thing. Um, so it is kind of like uh, I listened to an interview with a thanatologist named um, Cole and Perry. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, but she was she is a thanatologist and she works um, as a funeral director. So it was kind of like the next layer for her and she kind of wants to go into education with it to talk to kids about death because in this country we, have a lot of issues with talking to... We have a lot of issues with talking about death in general. Oh, yes, we do. But we definitely have issues when it comes to talking to kids about death because there's all kinds of... I mean, if you think about the news, like, it, they're always reporting people dead. They're always showing, like, graphic, like, um, images and stuff on screen. But we can do that and show kids the news, but we can't, like, talk to them in a in an understandable way about death and what it is and answer their questions and that type of thing. Even in entertainment. Yeah. You know, yeah. you see like movies and all the time that have all of this like death and destruction in it. So a lot of the times our children um, and just people in general are getting their education about yes. death and yes. what that means through entertainment. And yes. I think a lot of the times we try to shield and protect our kids from these sort of things, um, which is fine. I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to like, <laughs> parent anybody uh, or tell them how to raise their children but at the same time like there is value in n 
in educating your children on that. And I just think that, you know, entertainment, movies, what have you, um, media, news, like, I mean, it's a part of life. So, um, you know, at one at some point, you talk to your children about having right. sex with the birds and the bees. So, well, a lot of parents well don't do that have, either, which well, is a, which is another issue. That's unfortunately, yeah. But I mean, they should go hand in hand. Yeah, totally. No, I think um, I think kind of like we were. I don't know um, if you've listened to the most recent Netflix and Kill, which we recorded when I was dying. Um, we talked about. Um, the movie Mercy Black, which is based on the case um, of the Slenderman stabbings in Wisconsin, not Washington, um, in Wisconsin, uh, where, you know, two 12-year-old girls attacked another 12-year-old girl and, you know, stabbed her to death, almost killing her. She did survive. But I'm sure that, and, and I don't know what their upbringing was like, but, you know, that's just one situation where you can shield your kids from you talking to them about death. But you can't necessarily control the world around them. Meaning right. you can shield, you can control their understanding of death to a degree until they get to a certain age. But you can't control whether, you know, grandma gets sick and then they're not equipped with the tools to deal with that, you know? Exactly. So, um, but that is an issue, you know, kind of in this in this country, in our, um, in Western culture in general, I think we're very, we're very uncomfortable with. Listen, we just have issues. We're like Vogue. We do. (laughs) (laughs) We're like Vogue. We've got a lot of issues. Yes. And we're just discussing one of them. Yes. So, um, so yes, so thanatology, it's an interdisciplinary thing. You kind of bring it to other things that you're doing. And it's also relatively a young science, um, it was created in 1903. So first of all, I use that term loosely as far as it being created because humans have been dealing with dying for as long as we've been alive. Yes. Right? So <laughs> people have been talking about death. People have been exploring death through religion, through philosophy, through sociology, through spirituality. And we talk about um, – obviously we talk about the losses that we experience and that goes back, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. Um, as far as we go back. Um, but thanatology as a s- proper science only goes back to 1903. So it's like just over 100 years old, which is really, really new for science. Um, well, I think it, it sort of goes hand in hand with the technology of the time. like Because mm-hmm. it's more, um, whereas I think like in human history, we have looked at death and studied death, like you said, through religion and right. certain things like that and through right. a lot of, like, myths and, you know, yeah. and, and and legends and things like that. Um, and I think around that time is when you started to see, you know, things started to develop for, um, you know, just science's industry as a mm-hmm. whole. And so I think it probably goes hand in hand mm-hmm. um, as to, like – you know, when doctors were starting to get... Because, like, well, 1903? No, uh, it's pretty new. It's it's pretty late, actually, because we, in the... Were doctors still doing crazy shit in six, 1903? Yes. <laughs> like we discussed. Uh, I'm less trying to crazy. Go, I'm trying to go back to our, um, you know, uh, crazy our, doctors our weird, episode. Yeah, ghosts in and your I'm, blood. Yeah, ghosts in your blood, and I'm like, well... No. Yeah. They, so they, had, they were still doing some crazy stuff, like leeching was still a practice, but... Um, where they literally put leeches on your body to suck your blood out to get the equilibrium right, but um, that's still a practice, though. They still yeah, people still do that. No, but it was still widely practiced. I think in the early 1900s, which is kind of a problem. <laughs> like, maybe I just bet have they a didn't fucking charge seventeen hundred goddamn dollars to didn't. put a fucking leech on you. <laughs> I bet they did not. <laughs> How much does a fucking leech cost? That's Let a fair me know. Point. Maybe I'll try that. <laughs> you, maybe you can also ship me some leeches to the PO box. No. I'm gonna have to put. A, I'm gonna have to say a hard no on that one. I'm not gonna deal with no leeches. Um, I already got one sitting across from me. <laughs> so no, 1903. So uh, science, uh, the scientific revolution. I believe mm, we thrown it all the way back to high school history. I think that was like 1600s, 1700s. But there were definitely like I know biology goes all the way back to like the 16 late 1600s with um, Mendeleev. I'm probably really wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's okay. I'm going to leave it in. Um, it's fine. But seriously, we were kind of starting to think about processes and systems and things like that. Certainly in the 1700s, definitely in the 1800s. So 1903 is actually kind of late for us to start applying that scientific mindset to death. And the guy who did it um, was a Russian scientist. His name was Ily Mechnikov. And he was famous for his work in microbiology. Um, and he did a lot of stuff with a process called um, phagocytosis. It's not really for this show. Maybe check out another one if you want to learn about that. Phagocytosis, I think. Might also be phagocytosis. Ah, uh, would you call But I didn't want to give it to you that way. Um, but anyway, that's not why he's important to us. Mechnikov uh, is important to us because in 1903, he established a scientific discipline devoted to the study of death. And Mechnikov argued that those who were dying had few or no resources for the experience of dying, and that an academic study would help those who were facing death have a better understanding of the phenomenon and reduce their fear of it. Which mm. is really cool. Yeah. Very groovy. Um, I was going to say, leave it to the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it just... it's interesting that he you know, kind of had that perspective, but the Russians are pretty um, maudlin. Uh, macabre, yeah. we may say. That's why I like them. Um, so Mechnikov based his ideas for thanatology on the fact that while medical students had their obligatory encounters with cadavers through anatomical studies, there was really no instruction on how to care for dying people. So meaning, as a medical student, like, you operate... Well, you don't operate, but you... Um, What's the word with a cadaver? You, um, we had to do it in high school. You had to dissect? Dissect, yes. Medical students dissect cadavers, and they you know, look at all the organs and stuff like that, and they kind of get comfortable with death in that way. Um, and as a doctor, you kind of have to have a certain level of, I guess, comfort of a kind with death because you do have patients who die. Well, you have to sep- you? learn how to separate yourself yeah. from it. Or compartmentalize. Um, and take, yeah, um, which is, you know, kind of a double-edged sword because it helps you out, but at the same time, like... I also think kills you a little bit. Inside. It also, yeah, it kills you a little bit, and I think that sort of takes away a little bit of the... I'm not saying all doctors, but it does take away a little bit of that, you know, humanity or mm. understanding, I feel like, in some cases. It can. Um, and, you know, I mean, it like I said, it just depends on the person right. um, and the doctor. But, like I said, it is a double-edged sword. Yeah. So... Mechnikov was kind of looking at that situation and saying, all right, so, you know, in this culture, doctors know about death from a scientific, well, not scientific, from a clinical perspective. Yes. But nobody's really teaching anybody on how to care for a dying person from a mental standpoint, from a, you know, social standpoint, from a philosophical standpoint. There's not really any in- any research into that. Um, and... He kind of was criticized for that. There were very few scholars and educators that agreed with him. Um, they did not kind of want to look at at death through that sort of lens. Um, and he really struggled to get the support that he needed to kind of realize his, um, his science, his thanatology studies. Um, so he kind of broke it off into two new areas of study. Um, gerontology... And thanatology. Gerontology. We're going to break that down. I'm going to use, I'm going to use my one semester of uh, medical terminology. Okay. Geron for geriatric, meaning old. Yes. Ology, meaning the study of. Yes. Break that down means the study of old people. Yes. <laughs> Technically the study of the, the cultural, social, psychological, cognitive, and biological aspects of aging. Okay, the study of old people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so gerontology was accepted pretty quickly um, because aging is, um, you know, I guess more palatable to people than death. Uh, uh, well. So gerontology was accepted reasonably quickly. 
However, thanatology took about 47 years for most people to accept as a science. 47 years? Yes. They just thought he was a goth kid. He's like the fucking, he's like a meme. It's been 47 years. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. And even at that, even, even now, you know, how many fucking 107 years, 117 years since 1903, thanatology is still not like a main, I mean, you don't, you would never hear somebody list like biology, what are you taking for your elective today? Yeah. Well, I'm going to take, I've got art three, and then I'm going to go to chemistry, and then I've got uh, thanatology yeah. Before, yeah. before lunch. Yeah. And see, th- I mean, I personally think that that would be a great situation to ha- actually have a thanatology class in high school or... I would choose it as an elective. Yeah, hell yeah. Because people need to kind of like know it's something everybody's going to have to deal with at some point in time, probably multiple points in your life, right, as other people die. It would be helpful to have a fucking toolkit. And this is, you know, somebody with severe rage issues (laughs) and grief (laughs) processing problems. (laughs) Like I'm Coming from someone who (laughs) wishes she had someone to tell her how to deal with. With, with death. Yes. So thanatology sort of starts to be accepted in the 50s, but it doesn't really rise to like pop culture consciousness until the early 70s with the Death with Dignity movement. Um, now, the Death with Dignity movement, if you haven't heard of it, don't know about it, um, that is the movement for assisted suicide, assisted dying. Ah. It used to be called assisted suicide, but that's a little heavy. Um, you think? Yeah. So um, now I don't it's think that would make guy. a good subscription box name. I don't think so. I don't think it. I don't. Well, I don't subscription think you'd be subscribed box. very long. A one-time fee. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to make a joke, but I mean to make a joke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we keep it light. So, but yes, assisted dying is still a very, very contentious topic. Um, Oregon, I believe, was the first state to um, legalize assisted dying. And that's where it's a really, it gets, like anything else, abortion and things like that, it gets kind of blown up um, into this, like, way oversimplified concept in the media and things like that. But basically, it's a really complicated, sort of complicated process where if you're terminally ill, and you know, you are going to die, like there's no survivability of the illness that you have, you will die, it will be a difficult process, it will be horrible for you and your family. Um, In states that have assisted dying laws, you can basically um, petition to to have a, a, a series of doctors, it's not just one doctor, evaluate you mentally, physically, look at your diagnoses, make sure that they're truly not survivable, um, and then make sure that you mentally are not in a place of, like, make sure that you're not suicidal, right? Right, right. That you're just trying to avoid all of the horrible pain and wasting away that you'd have to go through as a result of this illness so that you can die on your own terms. Mm. Um, On your own terms is kind of like a a buzz phrase for the um, assisted dying or death with dignity movement um, because, you know, it's just looking at things pragmatically and saying, you know, rather than put my family through all this, like, expenses, kind of like what we were talking about at the top of the show. Right. um, Medical expenses and also just having to watch me, like, waste away and, you know, me having to go through all of that horrible pain and potentially, like, lose my cognitive abilities and not know who my family is and then the psychological impact of that on them and all of that. Like, let's just skip all that and we'll just have a great day and then – I'll just take a pill and pass away in my sleep. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, um, I, I, I think that that's a totally valid um, point and a concern because, I mean, there are very few of us who sort of have that luxury of just, right. I'm going to go to bed and just, you know, and have that sort of peaceful transition right. over. If there if is there's no a, survivability, if there's no survivability, there's no if there's no, uh, why would you why would you put your family through that? Why would you do that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean to each their own, but 
I, I just don't see why that's um, anybody else's Contested. business. Yeah, well, you there's know? a lot of things that aren't anybody else's business, but that's not the tea we sipping on today, girl. So <laughs> taking a step back, um, so it, that's kind of when thanatology, the this 1970s is when thanatology kind of rises to the public consciousness. That's when it becomes a term that like is understood more or less um, colloquially, um, not something we talk about a lot still, even in 2019, but um, it's a bit more of a commonly used term. Taken just a half a step back into World War II, um, that's where we, um, thanatology gained some uh, philosophical, I guess, supporters. Um, following World War II, the world was absolutely haunted with the memories of all of the casualties from what went on. And it wasn't just the U.S., it wasn't just the West. I mean, World War II, well, it was mostly just the West. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Japan was in on it, too, and it really kind of fucked everybody up real good. Because it's a world war. Because it's a world war. And so, um, you know, everybody virtually had lost somebody. And it was such a period of reflection that a lot of the existential philosophers of that time began looking into thanatology and began kind of looking into the veil and between life and death and all that sort of thing. And one philosopher in particular, uh, his name was Herman Feifel. He was an American psychologist who um, is considered to be another pioneer of thanatology. He broke the taboo on discussions of death and dying with the publication of his book, The Meaning of Death. And some of you may have heard of this book. Um, it's it's kind of one of those books that's always hanging around in libraries, I feel like, <laughs> um, with a big old spine. Um, but basically in this book, um, Feifel kind of dispelled a bunch of the myths that were held by scientists and practitioners about death um, and the denial of its importance for human behavior. Basically, he said, you know, this isn't something we should ignore it's not something that has no relevance to life. We're dealing with death every day because everybody around us is dying. And we're kind of like the the very, it is death in some ways that gives life meaning because death is the cessation of life. So knowing every day that there is an end point coming, we can argue about whether that end point is truly an end point or whether it's a change or a passage or a a journey or what have you but knowing that the way that we are living currently today will definitely end at some point and either become something different or just become nothing gives importance to the way that we are living that life today yeah right it's not like we're just beings who exist forever and because that's a totally different way of of conceiving of things yeah um unless of course we're all just <clears throat> programs and true and we're not alive know, at all and we're not alive at all that's also up for debate. Yes. <laughs> so um, Feifel's book, The Meaning of Death, uh, got a lot of attention and kind of became a classic of the anatology. Um, he kind of laid the foundation um, and really brought it into more of, I kind of look at it as Metchnikoff was like the science guy and Feifel was like the philosophy guy. He was kind of like the humanities type dude. And... There are a couple other texts, um, The Experience of Death by, I'm not sure if it's Paul Lewis or Paul Louis, so we're going to go with Paul Louis. <laughs> um, Landsberg, uh, The Experience of Death. And then um, there are a couple fictional works, actually, that are included in like the Thanatology texts. Um, Lev Tolstoy's uh, The Death of Ivan Illich is one. Mm -hmm. um, that's a book that I've read. It makes sense that it would be included in Thanatology now that I look back at it. I was reading it for, like, Soviet history stuff. Yeah. But, like, well, not Soviet history stuff, but anyway, whatever. It's included, and then As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner is also included, which is a ah. fucking horrible book, and you can fight me on it, because there are people <laughs> who stand that book so hard, but it's really fucking annoying. Um, but it is kind of cool how we use fiction as well in the study of Thanatology, because it's kind of like a... Um, I don't know. It's it's just kind of like a different lens to explore things through that I think sometimes is more approachable. Like people who would not sit down and read The Meaning of Death 
could sit down and read The Death of Ivan Illich because it's like telling you a story, right? And it's not just a bunch of scientific jargon strung together. Yeah. Um, So I kind of like that thanatology as a science kind of incorporates a lot of philosophy, literature, and things like that. Um, It's not just quantitative stuff. Yeah, I can see that. Um, So obviously there's a lot of different um i was talking about how thanatology is an interdisciplinary study there's a lot of different like i guess routes that you could go down um there is coping with death counseling um there's even a place for it in like financial planning and things like that but i wanted to focus on its more obvious uh connection with this show and our topics being forensic science yeah um so Forensic medicine is defined as the application of medical knowledge for the scientific investigation of facts and causal relationships, as well as the analysis and interpretation thereof in the service of the law and its broadest sense. Well, 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 well. Hold up. Wait a minute. Moreover. Hold on. (laughs) I know like hell you just didn't put the word uh, this show and facts together. Moreover, forensic science addresses all legal aspects of the practice of medicine during teaching, medical training, and specialist training. So basically, it's a really fucking long way to say that forensic science deals with investigating um, sudden, unexpected, or sometimes expected deaths and explaining um, from a medical perspective what exactly happened. Okay. Um, And kind of putting the pieces together, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So... With kind of from that angle, we kind of jump into a very fascinating part of forensic science that is related to thanatology called the body farm. Have you heard of body farm? I I have heard of body farms. Um, I try not to think about (laughs) body farms. Um, I wish they weren't just, called farms. Uh, that's what, that's, that's the what one gets thing. me. That's what gets me. Listen. Because l- we're no, not no, growing. No, no, no. Exactly. That's the thing. Farms are about growing. Farms are about producing life. Yeah. I don't understand what a body farm. You're not. Are, are we reanimating Somebody the Somebody was being clever. Are you producing zombies? Is that yeah. what's really going on? Yeah. Is that what is really going on? Here. Are we trying to figure out how to make zombies at these body farms? Because it would listen, be a great place. What would be a be- body? I don't know what else you would call it. Yeah, I think this is the problem we fucking ran into. <laughs> we were like, shit. <laughs> they sat around a table and they're like, damn. One guy was like, we can't call it body farms. It doesn't make sense. And the other guy was like, well, do you have a better fucking name, Ted? And he's and he and he sat there and he put his elbow on his on his fucking um on the table and he just sat and he just looked out the window and he said, "All right, fucking call it Body Farms." Should have slept at a Holiday Inn, Ted. <laughs> there you go. Oh, what about that? A body body uh, hotels? No. No, because oh. you're probably alive. Like you want to be alive. I think that could lead to some um, confusion when you're traveling. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Just checking in. I rate this body hotel two stars. Yeah. yeah. Great location. <laughs> Convenient. Quiet. Horrible really amenities. Quiet. Really quiet. No, so body farms are actually really cool. They're, they're, they are creepy. I will give you that. They are super creepy. They are really gross. If you are squeamish, do not look up body farm on YouTube. Or Google Images. If you are not squeamish, fucking go for it. Um, I think they're really cool and they're super beneficial. And we can talk about why. So for those of you who don't know, a body farm is a research facility where decomposition is studied in a variety of different settings. They were invented by an anthropologist, actually, whose name was Dr. William Bass in 1987. And the very first one was actually opened at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Which I actually did not know. I knew that they had one in Canada, and I knew that they had one like down south, like um, yeah. I thought there were just two. I didn't realize there were. I thought there were only two. No, there's actually so the very first one was the University of Tennessee, Um, but 
basically the goal is to gain a better understanding of the decomposition process, um, which permits the development of techniques for extracting information, such as timing and circumstances of death from human remains. So this is big in uh, forensic science and forensic anthropology because by studying bodies in body farms, we learn about how the human body breaks down in different sorts of environments, and we can take that knowledge to help solve crimes. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, they literally just lay these bodies out. Yes. yes. So they, um, there's one. In the woods. Yeah. So um, there's a couple, I think there's at least one in Canada so that they can study cold weather decomposition because, of course, sense. it's a lot slower yep. and different things happen. Um, there's The first one was in Tennessee. There's one in Texas. A couple in Texas, actually. Why Tennessee? I don't know. What, I guess that's where like, this Dr. Bass was. Okay. Um, there's one in Illinois. There's one in Colorado. One in South Florida. And those are all like very different environments. South Florida in particular is very humid, very um, swampy. wet. Yes, very swampy. Um, and water, of course, if, you, you know, if you've studied true crime, if you've um, even just listened to a, a bunch of different true crime cases, if there's ever a situation, what was that? Um, what was that show on Discovery that was about like swamp murders? Oh, I don't know. There was a show that was specifically dedicated to swamp murders. Um, I remember because the commercial was like this girl in this white dress and she looked all like maudlin and terrifying and she like was at the bottom of the swamp and the commercial was like this badass music and she's like rising to the top of the water. All right. Whatever. Okay. You should look it up. You'd really like it. Okay. Um, But when a body is left in water, decomposition speeds up rapidly versus when a body's left in a colder climate, sometimes it's better preserved. Um, But by studying the decomposition, we can kind of learn um, roughly what happens to bodies in different types of environments and what time, what the timing looks like there. Um, And that research has actually been used to solve actual real crime. So just... This past September, September 2018, um, they helped solve a cold case, the University of Tennessee body farm. Oh, okay. Yes. So it was um, the case of Tina Marie Farmer. Um, She was found on January 1st, 1985. So this case was... Holy hell. Yes. This case was over 30 years old. Um, She was found... Or... Yeah, over 30 years old. No, almost 30 years old. Almost, yeah. Almost 30 years old. Um, now I have to count. Wait, what, what year? 05, what 2015. Year? Yeah, 2018. It was 33 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So Tina Marie Farmer's um, body was found uh, on Interstate 75 near Jellicoe in Campbell County, Tennessee. Um, and at the time, investigators recorded what they could of her fingerprints and several of her physical features, um, but they couldn't identify her. Um, and when they couldn't identify her, they brought her to um, University of Tennessee's Anthropology Research Facility, also known as the Body Farm. The Body one. Farm! Researchers there helped the, helped uh, estimate that she was about 20 years old at her time of death. Um and so they, they did a bunch of, um, they recorded a bunch of information forensically and preserved all of that info. And then in September of 2018, um, investigators were actually able to match the forensic information that they had taken, particularly like some of the prints, mm-hmm. um, with a missing persons report from Indiana, Marion County, Indiana, um, from 1983. Wow. So they actually were able to take her from being a Jane Doe to Tina Marie McKinney Farmer, um, who was um, reported missing in 1983. Wow. Yeah. Um, So all the way from Tennessee to Indiana, which is kind of interesting. Um, And a lot of people were critical as to why it took them so long to identify Farmer, because they actually had, I mean, the body was recovered in decent condition and they actually had a fair bit of forensic information but at that time the um national missing and unidentified person system was really um 
not very well developed. Uh, we didn't we didn't really have the combined DNA index system. Um, it was just sort of getting rolling, and we we just didn't keep information on people that way. Um, so it was difficult to put all of that together. And thanks to UT's Body Farm, all of that information was preserved because, of course, they go through the bodies that are donated to the Body Farm go through a strict like um, I guess record keeping process. They're always measuring and looking at things and taking information and sampling and all that type of stuff. So um, that was kind of cool that they were able to help solve that cold case that was so old. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So um, one of the things that they're working on currently for that's kind of groundbreaking forensics research is the field of stable isotopes. Um, oh, what? Yeah. It's called stable isotopes. It's called stable isotopes. So, um, if you listened to the, um, Bear Brook podcast, um, it's a really good podcast. Um, they talk a little bit about stable isotopes there. It's basically a technique, um, that analyzes the chemical composition of various tissue samples in the body to reveal details about where a deceased deceased person um, either lived or where they came from or where they spent time prior to their death. It basically gives you clues as to the geographical context mm-hmm. of that person, um, which kind of um, can give you clues on where to look for missing people. Ah, so okay. in the not to ruin anything about the Bear Brooks podcast, because you should definitely listen to it. Um, but basically you can look at the different um, presence of elements in the body. Like if you live on the coast, there's like a higher presence of um, something. I don't think it's salt. I think salt is really dumb. But (laughs) (laughs) chlorine? No, it's not that. Whatever. Uh, Like if you live on the coast, let's just say you have more um, depression. No, (laughs) salt or whatever or sodium or whatever in your body versus if you live inland and there's even different um like carbon emissions and like things that they can look at like that chemically in the body yeah that kind of stick with you which is really cool um type of thing to look into because it can help like with this case of this of you know miss farmer being from indiana if they could have looked at that sort of thing in that case earlier then maybe they would have known okay this isn't this isn't somebody local right like this isn't somebody from tennessee and it even gets so specific that you can separate it out by like towns like even looking at the state of virginia you could tell like southern virginia from like northern virginia yeah you can tell from dry fork because they take one look out Uh, she ain't from dry fork she ain't from around here (laughs) she ain't from around here she didn't have her sam's club card yeah that's true (laughs) she didn't have that she had costco so she wasn't from around here not here. Yes. Um, can I just point out the fact that I love that it's called stable isotopes at the body farm? Oh. <laughs> I just imagine that there's Whoa. just, I just imagine that there's like a, an, an actual stable and they're like. That just has the word isotopes, isotopes painted on it? Oh my God. <laughs> yes. You need to go check out the stable But isotopes. inside it's all like crazy high tech and yeah. like science laboratory. Welcome to my body farm. God bless. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, so I, I, you mentioned that the bodies were donated. So they're obviously not, um taken from the black market anywhere <laughs> no as far as we you know to... as far as they say they're not taken from a, a black market um so you can actually donate your body to a body farm after to you this die. podcast um, no 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 we don't know what the fuck to do with that um, we already got too much body yaddy yaddy honey yes on this podcast yaddy 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 no, so you can uh, look into donating your body to a body farm. I'm sure they would be glad to have you after you are dead. And that actually helps um, investigators solve crime. It helps us kind of advance the field of forensic science and thereby the field of thanatology um, to work for good, which I'm actually kind of interested in. Um, it's a little grotesque because you kind of imagine your corpse just laying out there like bubbling in the sun. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if we had a body farm expert, uh, they could tell us that it probably wouldn't bubble, bubble for very long because you're going to dry up soon, girl. Yeah. Um, 
but it it really is a way to kind of use your death as as a way to benefit others um, by advancing what we know of decomposition and helping to solve cold cases and helping to solve new cases and helping to kind of further um, our understanding um, of of decomposition and and how that sort of thing works so that we can catch motherfuckers who murder people yeah so you would consider donating your body i would it's kind of something that i'm like now sort of looking into because i mean you think about being buried um i mean that's kind of like okay i mean everybody does it uh, <laughs> everybody does that i'm not gonna i've do never that. i've never liked the idea of being cremated um not ever uh it's just not for me um I always wanted to be made into a tree, but I think in order to be like planted be in one of those cremated. tree pots, you have to be cremated, which is a huge fucking bummer. So I just figured I would be buried and then make my family like plant a tree above me, and then hopefully it doesn't die. I, w- I would I've, I would just plant seeds inside you. Yeah, see that's what I would we... want. I would want like the tree to like grow up out of my ribs or whatever. I would but... come up. Look, no, I would come up, and your family would be around you, and I would just come up, fucking absolutely distraught. And then they would think that, oh, he's so, you know, whatever. And then I'm wearing all black. I've got a veil. Very dramatic. (laughs) And I just look around and one single tear drops. And then I just fucking pull out a fucking athame (laughs) and just fucking ritualistically (laughs) stab you in the fucking gut and rip it open. (laughs) And then everybody's like, oh. It's (laughs) okay. She wanted this. And I pull out a black velvet satchel and then pull out some seeds and then just sprinkle them in. And then close the wound back up. Just push the flesh back. <laughs> and then turn around. I've got some blood on my face. And I just... It is done. Walk away. <laughs> See, as cool as that is, it's also cool to, like, actually be useful and help people. <laughs> so I'm considering potentially, like, looking into the whole body farm thing. And if you are interested, you should go online, do some research, and maybe consider it yourself. I, it can be really helpful. Yeah, I said cremated, but I don't know. I, I haven't decided yet. I always thought it would be cool to... Um, uh, I, I like the idea of just being like a creepy, rotting corpse like in the woods. <laughs> just fucking laying there. I don't think that's there. legal, though, for us to dispose of you that way. I mean, and that's, but that's what they do in the body farms. Like, I like the oh, idea yeah, of just being yeah. like a creepy, rotting thing um how beautiful would it be for us to do that and not just like rot side by side together i think we might be be able to stipulate that um or um be in one of those body museums yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) and just i just want or or do that i feel like people would say mean things about me though in a body museum you know what i mean Uh uh-huh like on the body farm i'm gonna be beautiful because i'm useful to the scientists that are there but like in the body museum, you're going to have this fucking snot-nosed 13-year-old kid coming through and being like, mm, her nipples are weird. See, that's <laughs> See, that's the thing. I kind of like the idea of the body museum because that sort of ease, um, eases my, like, fear of, like, impermanence. Is that a uh, word? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, at least I would know that, like, I'm preserved and, like... Still kind of that's weird the Leo and like in you. that's the Leo in me. Like it's I definite, said, and that's the Virgo in me wanting to be useful. Yeah. So, like I said, some things I'm working through, but I definitely think that um, I mean, it's still giving back because they still in the body museums. I'm, I'm fairly certain they still use your body to study different things and like yeah, capillaries and capillaries. it's more it's more medical stuff as rather than like death, forensic, forensic yeah. science stuff. Which path would you want to take? Um, <laughs> Choose your character after death. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's our show. It on is. Thanatology. Well, I promised that I was going to tell you if you want more information on how to study thanatology, like actually study it. Um, there are actually two colleges that offer a master's degree in thanatology. I don't believe there are any bachelor's level studies in thanatology because, again, like I said, it's kind of something that pairs with something else. So you have your regular field of study and then you kind of put thanatology on top of it. Um, those two universities are Marion University and Hood University in the States. Um, you can also get a certification in thanatology. 
from either the Association for Death Education and Counseling or the Art of Dying Institute. I came over today and Katie was like, Kenny, I might be certified in thanatology now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm not certified yet, but um, it is really interesting and I uh, might look into it. So yeah. I'll keep you posted. Yeah. But yeah, that's thanatology. So we're interested to hear your thoughts um, feelings, reflections on death and dying. So if mm-hmm. you have any that you would like to share, we are on Instagram at the Haunted Heart Podcast. We're on Twitter at the Haunted Heart. And on Facebook, you can find us. We have a Facebook page under the Haunted Heart that you can like to stay up to date on all of the news and informations and bullshits. Uh, we also have a closed Facebook group. If you search the Haunted Heart Podcast, you can find our group. Request to join and either Kenny, myself, or a member of our Murder Mod Squad will approve you so that you can join and talk about all the bullshits with us there. Pretty um, much the only thing we're not on is Zofran. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking SoundCloud. Because SoundCloud hates us still. Um, if you have like a personal story that you want to share with us, you can email us at thehauntedheartpodcast at gmail.com. When you do email us stories, just let us know if it's chill to share your story on air. Because I know that death and dying can be a touchy subject for some people. There may be things that you only want to share with us, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. We're happy to do that. But if you send us a heartfelt email that you only want us to read and then we read it on the fucking air, then that would be a huge <laughs> fucking disaster. So let us know if it's something you're not comfortable sharing um, and we won't share it on the air. Otherwise, um, if you have a story involving death or dying that you think might be interesting, shoot it to us. We would love to take a look and potentially read it on a show. Yes, the show. I feel like it's a cool new talk show. Well, tell me the show. We'll read your uh, we'll read your your emails and your reviews too. So. <laughs> Hashtag the show. Hashtag the show. Oh, and because we mentioned the PO box only like a million times on this episode, if you do only once, <laughs> only once. If you do want to, it's been a while since we gave you our PO box address. Um, if you do have something that you want to send us, a card, any type of shit. Um, please, no dead bodies. Please, God. Have you checked? And the probably PO box no lately? leeches. <laughs> um, our PO box is PO box six zero four seven Leesburg, Virginia. That's L E E S B U R G, and the zip is two zero one seven eight. And you can just send it to the haunted heart. And I think that is it, my darlings. We will have more information on our podcast festival, which we had mentioned in a hot minute, uh-huh. that is happening in July um, in Chicago. Chicago, Chicago, that windy city. So we're going to have more information on that for you uh, coming up soon. But if you are interested and you are in the Chicago area or you're traveling to the Chicago area around July 13th, um, which is the day of the podcast festival, uh, go to tcpf2019.com and you can get tickets. It's going to be a podcast festival. We're going to be there. Um, a Paranormal Chicks is going to be there. A couple other great shows are going to be there. There's going to be live tapings. There's going to be meet and greets. And we're basically just going to be hanging out, chilling. Probably afterwards we'll go to a local bar. Oh, we will be going to a local bar. Have some fucking brews. Have some fucking convos. So if you're in Chicago, July 13th, that's going to be super fun. And we'll get you more information soon. Yes. And I think that's it. That's yeah, all my housekeeping. that's it. Most Honey, of the people the have already left. Honey, swept. <laughs> it's fine. I always, I'm like, mm, maybe we should start putting some stuff at the front of the show. but Just sprinkle it. Pepper it throughout the show. <laughs> but we start have to complain about, about the U.S. healthcare system. And then, <laughs> and then join our Patreon. <laughs> if you really want to know what dying feels like. No, I'm just kidding. Watch oh. our Patreon. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So that's going to do us until next time, babes. You know what you got to do. Don't die, of course. Go to the hospital if you need to. But otherwise, stay, stay safe.